Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Michelle Smallman and Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals with their franchise best 16th straight win after defeating the Chicago Cubs 4-2 yesterday. That, of course, is a series sweep of the Cubs up at Wrigley. And to talk a little bit more about this unbelievable Cardinals run, let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Tim Kirkchen of ESPN is going to join us. Tim, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. How are you doing today? Well, I'm not doing as well as the Cardinals, but I'm doing okay. (laughs) Tim, you've watched a lot of this team. Earlier in the season, did you ever think this Cardinals team could be capable of winning 16 games in a row? No. Now, I picked them to win the division at the beginning of the season, and but I gave up on them, like so many other people, especially when they were eight and a half games out of the wild card on August the 10th. And look, the beauty of baseball is anything can happen. And this is the perfect example. A team that was seemingly had no hope to make the playoffs is now going to make the playoffs easily and is going to be a very dangerous team entering October baseball. Um, I mean, the last National League team to win 16 games in a row was the 1951 Giants. Willie Mays was on that team. The last team to win their last 11 road games was in 87, and that's 1887. That's what the Cardinals have done here, and what they did against the Cubs was ridiculous. They had 13 homers in four games. It's the most homers they've ever hit in any series in the history of the team. That's what they're doing right now, and it is breathtaking to watch. And you mentioned, Tim, that you think this team will be dangerous in the postseason. So you think that this isn't just momentum right now, that this is something that's sustainable when they're going against the Dodgers in a potential one-game playoff? Yes. Look, I think the Giants have had a better season, obviously, than the Cardinals. The Dodgers have had a better season, and the Brewers have had a better season. That's obvious. However, the beauty of baseball is, and it's the oldest cliche in the world, it's not how many you win, but how hot you are when you get into October. And no team is hotter or playing better right now than the Cardinals. Now, I was with Eduardo Perez yesterday on Baseball Tonight, and he said they should lose a game before they get to uh, to the playoffs because they don't want to be dragging around a 22-game winning streak into a one-game playoff, say, against the Dodgers. He was kind of laughing when he said it, but I certainly understand where he's coming from. But this is the bottom line. Their outfield is very productive right now. The corner guys are great. And the catcher is great. And the second baseman's good. And they've they've been handling the shortstop, too. And they're 
bullpen, which was so unreliable, has been very good lately. And with Wainwright and Flaherty back now, who knows what they can do out of that rotation. Tim, they've been mashing the ball. As you mentioned, the home runs in that series. And we've talked a lot about a run differential. And over the 16-game win streak, 109 runs. And a lot of the reason is that is, yeah, guys are hitting and they're launching the ball. 330 home run guys on this roster now. Can you try and put into perspective, though, the long ball and playoff success? Like, it, it, it could, power doesn't always seem to get you deep into the playoffs. It, it plays a role, but but it has to balance, doesn't it? Yeah, you're facing the best pitchers in the game when you get to October. And this is, say, what has happened to the Yankees and several other kind of all-or-nothing teams when they get to October – they run into to pitching that they they just can't hit out of the ballpark as as easily as they do against some of the bad teams. That's the danger. But I think and and that's the danger for the Cardinals is they've gotten this far offensively because they're finally hit the ball out of the ballpark at, at a really good rate here. But ultimately, that's how you win in the regular season, and it sure helps in the postseason. But when you're facing that Brewer threesome or you're facing that foursome for the Dodgers or those Giants pitchers, um, logically, you got to think we're not going to hit the ball out of the ballpark as often. But then again, those teams are going to say, well, we're not going deep against the, the best three Cardinal pitchers as easily either. So I, I understand how this all works. You don't hit as many homers in October. That's usually the, the, the formula. And, Tim, I also think the Cardinals are going to rely on their defense, which has been outstanding. What was your reaction when you saw on Saturday the Cardinals have a 3-2-5-4-2-8-6 double play? Well, of course, that's right up my alley. So I went, <laughs> I went and checked the last time we've had a double play in which six different fielders were involved. The last time that happened was in 2006 when uh, the, the Pirates, Jer- Jeremy Burnett's hit a two-run single and ended up part of a double play in which six fielders were involved. But when Harrison Bader is involved in something in the infield as the center fielder, you, you got to laugh out loud for several reasons. But it, it also speaks to the Cardinals. Everything's going their way. And if Harrison Bader doesn't have anything else to do, he should run into the infield to help on that play. And that's how it works. Tim, we are clearly biased in St. Louis as as baseball Cardinal fans as we should be. From a national perspective and then from, from your perspective as well, how much consideration has Adam Wainwright earned from a Cy Young standpoint this year? And, and I'm curious what you're hearing from other guys nationally you've been talking to about that. Um, he's Obviously, he's got no chance to win the Cy Young. Not with Max Scherzer pitching the way that he has, with Corbin Burns pitching the way he has, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias. This is one of the best pitching seasons I've seen in a long time. There are five great Cy Young candidates, and Wainwright is one of them. He is just, in some other seasons, he would win the Cy Young this year. But with all those other guys having ERAs as low as they have, absurdly high strikeout rates, which get people's attention. So please, let, let's understand, Adam Wainwright's season is one of the best we've seen by a pitcher, certainly that old in a long time. 
but there are just too many real stud pitchers in the National League for Wainwright to win the Cy Young Award. But he'll get some Cy Young votes. He'll get some thirds and some fourths and some fifths, but he's not going to win. He had his 2000 strikeout, Tim, during this stretch, and he's coming back next year. He already made those intentions clear. And I wonder if he gets to 200 wins and he has 2000 strikeouts. He's a World Series champion. He's been very close in the Cy Young vote. How you think that that um, that feat, if he gets to 200 wins, how that could potentially impact his Hall of Fame chances? Well, nice round numbers like that always help out um off the top of my head i don't look at him and think he's a hall of famer however he is not done yet he's having a great year if he has another great year next year and passes 200 wins sure we'll have to consider it um but it's a really hard thing to do these days and when you look at some of the other guys who have similar number of wins and aren't in the hall of fame uh, it makes it really hard but 200 is the new 300 these days So he'll get extra consideration, but it's a little early to say Hall of Famer now. He's going to need another really good year. Tim, Michelle brought up an interesting topic. I'm going to to take you out of St. Louis now and and, and take you out west. In the last segment, we were talking about Shohei Otani and and Mike Trout. You've got an owner with the Anaheim Angels that hasn't been afraid to spend money. I mean, if you're an Angels fan, you know that this guy is going to go out and he's going to go after players. He's going to spend money. He's going to give contracts. What is needed for them to actually become? I mean, they're doing it on with, with managers as well. What what is what has to happen for the Angels to become a winning franchise before a guy like Otani says, yeah, I'd like to stay, but I want to go play for a winner first. And and that starts to impact that. Yeah, well, Otani has to have another year like this year, next year, which is asking an awful lot. Mike Trout obviously has to stay healthy for an entire season, and so does Anthony Rendon and all the other guys that got hurt this year. But mostly that they have to add significant pitching to that team. And they have tried with Dylan Bundy and all these other guys that they brought in. And frankly, they just didn't work out very well. But their issue right now is they can't score any runs. And that's mainly because of injuries. I don't think the the Angels are that far away from making the playoffs, even next year. But what I said has to happen. And then they have to go into the free agent market or make a couple trades and get two stud pitchers to go next to Otani in that rotation and then hope that he can hold up again for a full season. That's their only way to get this thing going, and it's going to take some money to do that. And finally, Tim, the Cardinals' magic number is now at one. We're looking forward right now. We're turning the page a little bit into that potential one-game wild-card playoff game with the Cardinals and the Dodgers. How do you think the Cardinals would match up with the Dodgers? Well, in a one-gamer, all bets are off. Anything can happen. We've seen it a million times. I think the Dodgers are a better team. I think the Dodgers, at this point, have a chance to throw a better starting pitcher than the Cardinals do in Game 1 because Jack Clarity isn't all the way back. Adam Wainwright's great, but Max Scherzer has been the best pitcher in baseball for the last month and a half since he was acquired by two months since he was acquired by the Dodgers. And they have Walker Bueller, and they have Julio Arias and Clayton Kershaw. So they have more weapons from which to choose, and they're the leading highest-scoring team in the National League. But does that mean they can't lose a game to the Cardinals? Of course they can. Wainwright could shut them down. 
Um, anything could happen in one game, but I like the Dodgers over the Cardinals, but I also didn't see the Cardinals <laughs> win in 16 games in a row. Anything is possible. It's that devil magic, Tim, that the Cardinals just seem to have. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why baseball is so great. We slap our forehead at the beginning of the year and one, at the end of the year and wonder how did this happen. But and we're all going to slap our heads with the Cardinals. And good for them for finally playing the way that a lot of us thought they could at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. Feel, uh, please follow Tim on Twitter at Kirkchen underscore ESPN. And, of course, check out all his great work on ESPN.com, Baseball Tonight, all over the ESPN platform. Tim, thanks so much for taking the time to talk a little baseball with us this morning. We appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you. Again, that is Tim Kirkchen of ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.